Meraki, to do something with soul, creativity, or love. Welcome to Meraki Mentors, a podcast featuring women who create. We interview creatives from every field and around the globe to discuss art, risk-taking, and what it means to live a creative life. Here's your host, Candace Howes. Hey, everyone. In this first episode of Meraki Mentors, we're talking to writer, director, and actress Sade Sellers. Sade is a Michigan native who's making waves in Hollywood as a filmmaker, and her story is not only inspiring, it's absolutely necessary for anyone who's standing at the cusp of their dreams. One of the main points that I learned from our discussion was just how important it is to believe in yourself and create your own opportunity. And to remember that every successful story has a ton of bloopers. So don't be discouraged at where you are in your journey. But hey, don't let me spill all the good stuff. Have a listen and find the stories that speak to you. Welcome to Meraki Mentors. This is your host, Candice House, and I'm so excited that we have the wonderful opportunity to speak with Shadi Sellers today, who is an amazing writer and director and actor as well. Um, and the past year or so has been particularly successful for her. She was a finalist for TV One screenplay competition. And she was also named an AT&T Create-A-Thon winner this year. So first and foremost, I just want to thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, I will just definitely start off by saying that I love um, supporting and just like watching the work of, you know, up and coming independent artists and filmmakers. And I think it's just great to have these platforms on social media where we can like find each other and, and definitely offer support along this whole journey. And same for you. Um, this podcast has been a journey for you. and I've been watching it for the last few weeks and, and I'm really impressed and proud and, and supportive and excited because it's definitely needed and we need to saturate this industry with as much talent, Black talent, especially as much as we can. Yes, definitely. And um, I'm so glad you mentioned that because a friend of mine has shared an article um, that I read earlier and there's a museum in Arizona and they just, um, they curated an entire exhibit. It was like 50 different works of art and they were all women. And it was really interesting because the museum's director was saying how, you know, when you go to museums like in the U S and in Europe, there's only like three to 5% of the artworks represented were made by women. And of course, even less like women of color. So it's just really interesting seeing that people are starting to kind of become aware of this and trying to break those norms a bit. Yeah. And I, um, to that notion, I was reading an article today on Amazon that said one out of four books, only one out of four books are actually written by women of color that come out. Um, and that's, that's kind of unfortunate. And the funny thing, not funny, but the sad thing about that is when I was in college almost 10 years ago, uh, the statistic was the same. So we haven't grown at all in 10 years, at least in the literary industry. Um, and I think this, this, what's happening now is a renaissance emerging of, of for women and for Black women in particular. Um, I'm happy to be a part of it, but I'm also super jealous <laughs> of the artists in the next 50 years who get to reap the benefits of <laughs> all of our hard work that we're putting in now. <laughs> They'll have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. What? There's films with uh, films that didn't have black female leads as, as characters? Like, no. <laughs> when I grew up, that wasn't a thing, which is really exciting. But also it's like, damn, if I was just like born 50 years later, I would really be <laughs> in the middle of that. Yeah, it's yeah, it is crazy that they'll have a an entirely different reality, but that'll, that'll be a good thing. <laughs> it will be a good thing. I'm jealous of them. I'm excited for them. Um, because I, I know for me growing up, those representations weren't there. And the fact mm -hmm. that little girls and, and boys growing up today get to see that and, they, and they'll think it's so normal is outstanding. It is. It's, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. So I will, I'll definitely start this off by just saying that um, I found your work. I can't even remember. I want to say 
earlier in the year um it was definitely through something i was reading about like the tv one screenplay contest Mm -hmm. um and for everybody out there basically um tv one they have an annual contest um i think it's usually around the end of the year screenwriters will submit a script um and they'll choose three finalists who get to attend um abff which is the american black film festival and Mm -hmm. a winner is chosen that has their film produced for tv one so I guess we can start by you just kind of explaining like how you entered the contest and just that entire experience. Yeah. So the TV one annual screenplay competition is only um, three years young. I was involved in their third year, which is actually really great for me because that's my lucky number. That's the number I feel more connected to is three. So it felt really meant to be. Um, Yes. But so when I found out about the competition, I was cruising online just in the when I tell you I was in the bottoms of my bottoms I was at the bottoms of my bottoms I was so frustrated with my career with myself I'd been in LA for nine eight years at the time and I was sitting on my couch just woe is me why isn't this happening why am I not making in this industry I'm doing everything right and then I stumbled upon the tv1 competition mm-hmm. And they said, okay, we are looking for full-length features for a TV format, and the competition ends in three days. Um, The competition opens in February, to be exact, and it had been up for a while, but I had just found it online three days before the deadline. And I sat there, and I thought, well, three days? I can't write a whole feature in three days. I'm not going to answer this. And then I sat there and thought, well, what are you doing for the next three days? Nothing. You're doing nothing. You're doing nothing but sitting here and crying, so why not try it? And I tried it, and I thought it was the worst thing in the world. And uh, I stayed up for three days straight just tweaking it and fixing it and still thought it was crap. But I sent it in just on a, just because I stayed up for three days and had a principle, it was going to be submitted. <laughs> like, it wasn't just going to be wasted. Exactly. It's like, this will mean something. <laughs> <laughs> Someone will see this. It doesn't matter who... So I sent it in and then I completely forgot about it. It, You know, usually when I'm really excited about a project that I I really love, I'm checking on it every day. Like, okay, check my email. Maybe they sent it to me. Maybe I got it. I know I got it. This is a good thing. And then I usually never get it. For this project, I completely put it out of my mind, which probably helped me um, because I just thought there's no way I'm going to win this. I have never written a full feature. I'm not a writer. I'm not, I'm not anything i'm just doing it for fun just doing it to say that i did and two months later i was interning at a casting office um, for a casting director because i that's what i would do as an actor if i wanted to get auditions i would intern first and then they would call me in and i got a voicemail from tv one saying that my screenplay made the top three finalists for their competition and i thought god how bad were the other screenplays that (laughs) that this this made it (laughs) that was my first thought like god everyone else must have been terrible and and you know that's not great to think about yourself you know putting that self-doubt on Mm -hmm. you but it was my first project so i was being realistic like it couldn't have been that good everyone else just had to be super bad like and that's what i thought so um they flew me out to Miami in June and i went to the american black film festival which i didn't even know existed and i'm telling you when when I say the American Black Film Festival should be on the level of Sundance and Con, it is amazing. It is Black artists and beauty everywhere, all different shades and sizes. And that's what my sister and I just kept saying, like, look at all these beautiful Black people in different sizes. So we don't even feel self-conscious. Like, we just feel like we can just be. And it's so nice. And although I didn't win... Um, they still optioned my script, which means they bought it and they plan on producing it. That is amazing. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And the the person who did win, his name is Tim Folsom, and his film premieres in two weeks on TV One. So it is a real competition. It's not like some BS for publicity. Oh, we'll make your film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They bought it. They produced it. They even allowed him to direct it and it will be on TV One. That is, that's incredible. Yeah. I don't know any other competition like that. That's insane. I don't either. Like, I remember, um, yeah, I remember when I read it, I was just like, what? Like, this should definitely be everywhere. I hadn't even heard of ABFF 
before this anyway and i was just like what like this is amazing and yeah they've been um they've been doing this festival for over 20 years and and i was like why is this not a big deal like this should be like a sundance like all the movies that i mean if you look at their past history ava duvernay has premiered her movie there so has ryan coogler um Tiffany Haddish had her first film premiere there. So it is, it is an, uh, it is an excellent, it is a, what is the word? (laughs) It's a really high quality. (laughs) Y'all forgive me. I know English. I'm just having trouble. It happens to all of us. Yeah. It's a really great film festival and it's in Miami. And you know, um, the only thing I would say is like, Ooh, that heat, that humidity was not made for us, but <laughs> we got the, we'll get the braids done next year and I'm going to call it a day. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think it is, first of all, just really amazing when you talk about, um, you know, that you saw this contest. It was like a few days before the deadline. Um, I can't even tell you how many times that's happened to me like even as a writer you know submitting things it's like there's no way I'm going to do this in time I'm going to try it um the story that always stands out to me was um when I first read about uh Sylvester Stallone writing Rocky and that he wrote it in like three days or something like Mm -hmm. that was crazy so I have personally found that sometimes when you are applying to competitions you're able to force yourself or push yourselves to do things in ways you didn't think was possible. So how yeah. how influential would you say applying to some of the contests that you've applied to has kind of helped your development as an artist? Well, TV One, first of all, they changed my life. I will be forever indebted to them because just off of that one confidence of making a finalist, that pushed me to be like, okay, girl, maybe you can do this. And then I started entering all sorts of different competitions. And then I started placing, and then I started winning. And I was like, why was I not doing this before? Oh, because I was self-doubting myself. Because mm-hmm. even before I submitted, I was like, that's not going to happen. Right. So these, there's so many competitions out there, which is what I, I never knew. But they're literally giving away money and opportunities, and, and especially for Black women, Um, There's so many. And if you're not submitting to them, you're not doing all you can to make it in this industry. Because what I found out is it's not even about the people at the top of the network. You know, even if you don't place, there are writing assistants. There are other assistants reading all of these scripts and they may see one and go, this is this is a good one. Like probably not going to win our competition, but let's hold on to this. So it's about it's about just having your work be seen. And especially most of these competitions are free. I don't enter competitions where I have to pay because I just don't have it like that. No, so the competitions no. that I enter are free and they give out money. So I think for anyone out there who's kind of like rolling their eyes, like, oh, competitions. Like, I know there is a there is a hesitation with writers and filmmakers about competitions because they don't want their ideas stolen right. and they don't That's want to concern. lose their ideas. Yeah. And I'm like, well, here's my advice is when you're when you see a competition, don't give your best away. Don't give the project you've been working on 10 years and slaving over like that. I would not do that. You know? Yeah. When I see a competition, the first thing I do is I look at the guidelines. I say, what do they want? Okay. They want 90 pages. Okay. It has to be a thriller. Okay. They can't have mentioned any of this. Okay. And I really write a script curated towards that competition. That's what I do. So I, I write the best script Mm -hmm. that is actually for what they want. Um, so that way, not only do I gain a new script, if they don't pick me, cool, I got another script under my belt, but I'm not wasting some of my best on a competition that maybe um, doesn't deserve it because a lot of the times the agreements in these competitions is like they own it and you can't sell it and mm-hmm. you can't do anything with it. So my advice to writers out there, especially is write towards the guidelines, write towards what they're asking for, save your best and work on it. Don't give that away. But stop being so concerned about, oh, copyright this, copyright that. Register your stuff, do your due diligence, read the contracts, and and start submitting and having people see your work. And I think that's great. Like, I never thought about that. But what great, you know, like, practice that you're getting by, like you said, entering things, tailoring it to it, and constantly giving yourself new material. It's almost like you're giving yourself an assignment in a sense 
That's exactly what it is. It's literally like being in school and having a writing assignment. Um, and because at the end of it, like when I started with TV one, that was my first script. And then I started entering competitions. I didn't win all of them. There's a handful that I didn't even place, but now I have like five or six scripts that I can go back and rework and eventually hopefully submit them to somewhere else. So I, even if you don't win, you're still winning because you just finished a script. You have a finished product. So yeah, that alone is just a tremendous accomplishment to mm-hmm. even have anything on the page at all. Yeah. And I think it's important too, because even as you get, you know, more involved in your career, there's going to be instances where someone is going to ask you to do something and you have to be able to know how to respond to things that people are asking you to produce. Yeah. And so deadlines are, I mean, every writer will tell you when you get a deadline, the first few days is like, clean the house, do some groceries, maybe exercise. (laughs) You are the most accomplished person outside of your writing life when you have a deadline because you are so afraid to even begin that you're like, it's going to be bad. But my advice is to just get past the first draft. You know it's going to be bad. You know it's not going to be great. Get past the first draft and, and try not to procrastinate. But actually I find procrastination really nice sometimes because I'm just like, mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing. And then my house gets clean, you know, and exactly. like, this is great. But yeah, yeah it's a win-win. Treat, yeah. It's a win-win. And if you treat, start treating competitions, not as like, Oh, I have to win. This is the end all. But like, this is a good practice for me. This script is due in a week. Can I write a script in a week? Can I make it good? Um, because that's what, real world writing is you get a deadline and an egregious deadline from a production that's like this needs to be done by tomorrow and you're like okay well I guess we're staying up all night and then you get it turned in uh so start treating it like that like you are already a writer definitely definitely so I guess you know if we were to circle back how were you first kind of inspired or introduced to the idea of working in the film industry We would go all the way back to when I was about eight years old and I watched, this is going to sound really lame. um, I watched Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic Park, The Lost World is the second, it was the sequel to Jurassic Mm -hmm. Park. Um, I'm sure everyone has seen it. They all know. But that was the first time, sitting in that theater was the first time as a kid that I was like, Oh, I want to do that. Like, I didn't even know what it was called. I was like, I don't know what those people in the screen are doing. I don't know who made this or like how it gets put together, but I know that's what I want to do. And I remember Mm -hmm. leaving the theater as a kid and walking to our car in the parking lot and kind of like looking over my shoulder, pretending there was a dinosaur there. And I, that was it. That was it for the rest of my life. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. It's going to be film. And from eight years old now into 28 years old, 20 years, it's been a, a very long stretch. By no means did it happen fast. Was I ever discovered? It has been a long, slow crawl to even get to where I am right now. And I know the next 20 years will probably be even slower. (laughs) Hopefully not. (laughs) Yes, hopefully it'll go by very fast. Yeah. A lot of fun things. Yeah, but that movie really just sparked my interest. I started looking up directors and actors and what it was to be in the film industry. And I grew up in Lansing, Mm -hmm. Michigan, and that's the farthest away from the film industry you could ever feel. Um, and I just remember thinking like, I gotta go. I just, I, I can't, this town is not going to do it for me. And I had, I mean, my sights were set after high school. I was like, I gotta go. We're going to go no matter what. So I can't even believe I'm sitting here right now. (laughs) (laughs) So coming from, okay, having this really deep seated passion, hailing from Michigan to graduate high school, what is, what is the next thought? Are we are we thinking, all right, we're immediately going to LA? Are we thinking we need to start acting, film school? What's, yeah. what's on the plan? The, I will say most of my decisions in life were based out of fear. And that's probably why my slow crawl has been so slow. As I've gotten older, I've learned to release that fear. And a lot of opportunities have come my way. So when I was 17, I actually graduated mm-hmm. from high school. And I only applied to one college. I only applied to Michigan State University because that's where all my friends were going because it was in my hometown. I was too afraid to even consider going anywhere else. Like the idea of living in LA or New York or anywhere besides like where my mom and my best friends were was not an option. Mm -hmm. So I got into Michigan State and I thought, okay, well, you're going to go to college because that's what you have to do. 
Uh, everyone goes right. to college and that's, that's important. My, my family, they're immigrants on my mom's side. They're from Belize. So my mom never went to college. Some of my uncles and aunts did, but my mom never did. But she, so she, she is a businesswoman. She created her own business and ended up very well without it. But that was her dream was to see her children go to college. So now I'm in school for all the wrong reasons. I'm in school because of my friends. I'm in school because my mom, it's important. And I'm in school because I felt like I had to be. Um, and I knew very early on, I was miserable, just miserable. So Michigan State at the time, I don't know if it's changed, but they didn't offer a film program. They only offered telecommunications, which is like newscasters, <laughs> like, cause that's all we had in our town, local newscasters, tell the weather, you know, things like that. Um, they had a few select courses for electives of like film 101. And I just remember being in film 101 class and watching like Hitchcock and learning about pans and wipes and thinking, I want to do this. I'm, I don't want to go to any other class. I don't care about math. I don't care about history. I don't care about all that stuff. I just want to be in this class for the rest of my life. But that wasn't an option. <laughs> exactly. Um, so my sophomore year of college, I was really, really in a deep, deep, dark place. I was unhappy. Yeah, I was in a sorority and I had a boyfriend and I had good friends and my, I had my mom and my family and um, a job and yeah, on the surface, very blessed, very lucky, but miserable, horribly, horribly miserable. And then it wasn't until, um, my boyfriend and I, at the time, we decided we were going to drive to Disney world from Michigan on a spring break. And I saw a billboard that was like open call casting at Disney. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I want to go to that. And I called my mom and I don't know why I was 18. I could have went on my own, but I called my mom because I'm, I'm very close to her. And I was like, can I go to this, this casting mommy? And she said, no, she's like, absolutely not. No, you can't do that. Bring, go to Disneyland or world and bring your butt home. Like you're not going to that casting. And I kid you not. That was the moment I said, oh yeah, I'm dropping out of school and I'm moving that way. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to miss these opportunities just because like, I can't. And when we got back from Disney World, I started, I made plans so fast. I was gone within a month. I, my boyfriend at the time was really sweet, gave me all of his frequent flyer points to give me a one-way ticket, one way to Los Angeles. I packed one bag and I went with the, the excuse of, oh, I'm going to look at film schools. You know, I'm going to look at film schools. But I knew I never was going to go to film school. Right. I just knew I was like, I can't send a class. I got to be out there. So my mom actually flew with me and it took a lot of convincing. I mean, we didn't talk to each other for weeks because she was like, you're not dropping out of college. You're not moving across country. But I think, and I'll always thank her for this, for being mm -hmm. just the most amazing woman after the initial shock like past she was like well if this is what you're going to do let's do this right so we went and we looked at all these film schools beautiful film schools but they wanted like 80 80 grand a year <laughs> we don't have that <laughs> like we're not doing that no and i wasn't ever going to go to them anyway i went for the free food and the tours um and it just made me more excited to be in la so when the time came to go back home my mom was like all right we saw what we did and i was like yeah i'm staying She's like, you're going to stay? And I was like, yeah. She's like, you only got one suitcase. I was like, yeah, I'm good. I got it. I got what I need. And I ended up doing some background on TV shows and movies and making money. And then she, she felt good enough to go home to say, okay, I think she's good. But if my mom had not been that person to be like, okay, yeah, I believe in you. Let's, let's go together. I would still be in Michigan. I probably have a kid or five now <laughs> and miserable. So... <laughs> um I owe her everything everything that's that's so special because and I was um talking to someone just recently and we were saying how important that community is to you when you're making those big leaps regardless of where that you know support is coming from family friends you know somebody on Twitter wherever all of those little moments or words of support really makes a big difference because making those leaps, you know, you have your doubts, but you also have that inner passion that drives you where you know you're making the right decision. Yeah. And I, I'm my, the only difference with my story is like, we didn't come from money, but I came from a very loving family. My aunt let me move in with her and sleep on her couch. 
my cousins helped me get my car and, and taught me about LA. My mom, she would sleep. This is, I, I, I remember this. And I want to cry thinking about it. I got my first background job on a movie called Easy A that was starring Emma Stone. Yes. <laughs> and yes. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that? that and it shot in, yes. Never, never seen it to this day because I'm terrified to see myself. I'm like, I'm not watching that. I'm not going to see it. But um, it shot in Ojai, which is super far from LA. It's like three or four hours from LA. And my mom was in town. She's like, okay, well, they booked you for like two weeks and you're making, I was making some good money on that movie. So why don't we just, I'll treat it as a mini vacation. She drove to Ojai with me and got us a hotel. And while I was working on set, she would sleep in the car and talk to the crew and like eat crafty, and just hang out on set <laughs> while I was working. And then take me home and, and take me back at 5 a.m. And like the next day, like, when I think about that now, and I was only 19, why would she ever let me do that? I don't think I would ever let my child do that. I'd be like, are you insane? Go get a real job. But she knew I like, I wanted to be there and I had to be there. And um, so when I say, yeah, I didn't come from money. I didn't come from education, but I had a amazing support system. I did. And I think if you got one of those things, um, that's great. Education's great. Money's great, but having a support system is like, oh, and it doesn't have to be your family, friends, you know, dogs, whatever you got, just find something, find someone else outside of you that can believe in you. If we're lucky, you can, not all of us get that. That's very true. Did, you know, in light of having all these people there and around you, was there ever a moment where you felt like you had like a wake up call or like a doubt where you were like, ah, maybe I shouldn't be here. I should do something else. Like every day, every day Mm -hmm. for the last 10 years, yesterday, today, right now, (laughs) (laughs) um, every day, people don't believe me when I say that I cried from the moment my mom left me in my apartment alone till yesterday. I cry every night. Cause I'm like, is this going to work out? Did I just waste 10 years of my life or a day when I first started did I just move across the country? Did I leave my family? At the time, mm-hmm. my brothers, I have twin brothers who I love, like they're my own. They were really young. And I was like, you're going to miss all the stuff. You're going to, they were babies. Yeah. I was like, you're going to miss the walks. You're going to miss steps in school. And mm-hmm. I was like, do I, is this worth it? So I cried every day. And every day still, I think there's a moment in my day where I go, damn, did I make the right decision? Because I could, I could go back home and I could have a career. I could like, I, I'm a smart girl. I can go back to school. I could do all these things, but I know I want to be, I, at my worst day being in this industry, um, would be, is my best day. If that makes sense. Like the yes. moments of doubt is in my worst times or, or better than the best days when I wasn't doing this. So that's, but every that's day, awesome. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I don't know when it'll ever stop. I don't know. I think, and I feel like everybody who is some type of, um, like creative has those moments, like you said, and it happens often. It's not always like, oh, this one day I had last year, it's, it's all the time when you're sitting there yeah. wondering when is this, you know, when is that moment going to happen or when will, you know, the rest of the world see what I feel that I'm capable of. Right. In a sense. And I have to remind myself, I'm like, it is happening. Like, You've sold scripts, you're directing, you're doing everything you wanted to do. You're just not at the level yet that you wish you were. But I can't cry and say, it's not happening. I'm like, it is happening. I'm just, and it's not where I want to be. But it reminds me, every time I I say that, it reminds me of a quote from the Sex and the City 2 movie, which is random. (laughs) But um, Carrie asked Charlotte, like, are you... uh, like how how often are you happy? Like you're happy um, every day. She goes, not all day, every day, but yeah, every day. And I'm like, that's me. Not all day, yeah. every day, yeah, but every day. <laughs> exactly. That so. oh man, I can't I can't think of um yeah a better way to describe that. <laughs> yeah, and obviously I have you, we all have our moments, but when you, when I look at my my life where it's at now, I'm like, yeah, this is this is exactly what I wanted to do. I'm I'm very happy that I I'm here and I stayed. Um, was it really hard? Absolutely. But I'm so grateful for those moments of struggles, the moments where I'm like, oh, we're not eating today. Or the moments where I'm like, I want to go home, you know, because it makes it all worth it. I wouldn't want anyone to hand it to me. It makes it so much, so much more valuable when you know you really 
like clawed through this earth to get your dream to come true exactly um seeing that you know you're writing you were doing acting as well do mm-hmm. you currently have an agent if you do would you say that that's like important for someone who's starting out and like how did you go about it 10 years ago i would say yeah you need representation across the board you're not going to make it mm-hmm. without it um now i i don't have a literary agent everything i've sold i've sold to my own um okay. i'm not even in the union because that's expensive who can join that um acting wise i do have a manager and i just recently my agent just shut her doors but my but i do have a commercial agent they give me auditions and stuff still but um a lot I would say 90% of my opportunities I've found on my own so if someone asked me now do I need a no because the thing about agents is they're great for connections like if they know casting directors and stuff but what I like to warn people is don't think you can get an agent and you sit back kick your feet up and you're like okay now I wait for all the auditions to pour in it because that's what I thought I thought okay I got this agent so the auditions are come every day no agents can only do as much as you give them. So if you're not updating your headshots or your reels, or if you're not writing and submitting, you know, and putting yourself out there, they, they have nothing to promote. So even though you have one, it doesn't mean crap at the end of the day, if you're not doing your work. And I'm so glad you said that because I've, and I've had this talk with friends and, you know, they're like, Oh, I need an agent. I need this. And it's always from that perspective of, oh, I'm going to give them a few things and they're going to do the rest for me and they're going to put me out there and show everybody. Yeah, never that. <laughs> never <laughs> that. And you're, like, my no. agent and I, I, every time I email my agent with news, she's like, what are you, you're constantly doing stuff. I'm like, yeah, girl. And when she emails me back with an audition, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. This is great. But I don't expect, you know, just because she emails me audition, I know I have to do the work. I know I have to study the lines. I know I have to do the scene work. And that's it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's never that. you you Your agents need you. They don't make money without talent, but they can't sell you if they've got nothing to sell. So you can't kick your feet up and expect them to do all this work. And, and I know a lot of actors complain, I'm going to break up my agent. She hasn't submitted me for anything. Has she? Have you submitted yourself for anything? Like, mm-hmm. It's hard being an agent. There are a lot of actors out here who are really lazy. So yes. <laughs> it's really hard. I check in with my manager and agent um, at least a few times a week. I send out newsletters. I invite them to my panels and my premieres. I tell them what I'm doing. And it helps them when they're pitching me. It's like, hey, you should really put this girl on your show. She's done this. She's done that. You know, rather than, hey, you should put this girl on the show. She looks like everyone else that has already been submitted to you. So you got to still do the work. Even if you have an agent, it doesn't mean anything. Do your work. Get work without your agent and keep all the money. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's the most important part. Um, When you do hear about opportunities or like you find things on your own, where are you usually finding that? Is it like through the grapevine? I saw it on Instagram. Like, Oh man. Um, everywhere and anywhere I can, but I will say uh, 99% of it is social media, especially Twitter. Surprisingly. Um, yes. I hate social media so much. So I get, cause I'm an older millennial. So I remember when like we had aim, like we had AIM and stuff, but uh that was just a chat with each other i i I don't like it but i do it because there's so many opportunities on there for instance um macro which is owned by charles king it's his production company they're hosting a writing competition which i still need to submit for i'm procrastinating um due in august and they announced it on instagram and twitter and um for me i i always tell artists i'm like if you're not online i don't care like i stay out of the politics and all of the like trending stuff because it is annoying i get it it's horrible but i i had a conversation with ron howard on twitter where else could you do that like exactly howard like i tweeted him like hey how's the production on your movie going and he's like hey it's good how are you going like are you kidding you're ron howard (laughs) I like you're talking to me like we know each other. So when I, my Twitter I use just for for business and connections. I follow every director, every writer, every not so much actors but showrunners, 
um, definitely producers, production companies. And then when I see them, like, for instance, Justin Seaman of um, Dear White People, he wrote on his Twitter just yesterday, hey, I'm crewing up for my new film. Go join my Facebook group and submit a resume. Now, look, <laughs> I actually auditioned for that film and I didn't get the role, but he has some PA and director assistant role open. And I would love to learn more about behind the camera stuff because that's what I'm doing more of now. So just by him posting that on his Twitter, did I submit and hopefully I'll get an interview and I can work on this production. So when I say social media is important, that's what it's important for, because there's there's so many quick resources there. Uh, Lena, Lena Waith is really active on her Twitter. Yeah, uh, she is really active Mm -hmm. and supportive, which is great. Ava is really active on her Twitter. I'm always like, how does she have time to even like comment on any of this stuff? and give us advice and and talk to us and she's she's written me a few times and i'm like this is insane like you're so busy but thank you um so there's a whole community of artists doing the things you want to do out there now it's different don't go out there pitching them going like hey i got a movie like no 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 don't don't do that but listen and wait like when when they say hey we've got this competition hey we've got these openings then you need to jump on it so i would say social media is how i find 99% of all of my work. Definitely. And I I agree with you out of like all of the social media platforms that Twitter is probably the best at finding opportunity. Like even I look at myself sometimes as like a freelance writer, there's always like magazine editors and people saying, hey, pitch this to me. Always. Or we're looking for this. Like, hey, we're looking for this. Yeah. Hey, we're looking for diverse women for this. Yeah, always. Every yeah. day. I, and if I was interested in, in blogging and writing articles, I would submit to that stuff. But that's not for me. That's for others. Exactly. Um, so there's tons, tons of opportunities mm-hmm. out there. But you just got to stop like fighting with the random Twitter trolls to actually find them. <laughs> like, take a moment to breathe. <laughs> exactly. I don't engage. I don't engage no. in that stuff. I'm strictly looking for work. And Facebook actually for the indie circuit has been really good. I know everyone clowns on Facebook. I keep it mostly for my family because they're older and they, they like it. Yeah. But when it comes to indie work, um, a lot of sets that are crewing up, uh, indie directors and stuff, if you've got the ability to work for free for a few days, then I would say do that. If you don't have the ability, just know that Facebook is mostly going to be free work, mm-hmm. um, volunteer style. But yeah, found made so many connections with Facebook. There's female filmmaker groups. There's black women filmmaker groups. There's tons of things on Facebook. And I, I just follow the groups and I look at my feed and there's so many opportunities out there, you guys. Literally people are begging you to help them. So They are, they are. And it's, um, oh gosh, I wish I remembered, but I know Angie Thomas, who, um, of course, author of um, the book, The Hate You Give, which is uh, going to be a, a film. Yeah, The Hate You Give. I'm yeah, super no- excited for that. She's on Twitter. She's super active. Yes. And she said that she found a lot of like her first like literary agents and people who just kind of helped her when she was writing the story off of, it was either Facebook or Twitter. I can't re- remember which one. But yeah, that was like how she found a lot of the people that, that yeah. helped her with that. So, mm-hmm. yes. And it's it's a thing now. Social media is a double-edged sword. It is, I think, one of the worst things to happen Mm -hmm. to society just because we don't have accountability and it's still new. So freedom of speech gets blurred and we're like, what do we protect? What do we don't? Um, But it's also one of the greatest tools for a creative to to have. It is. To get their work out there, not only, (laughs) but also to find work. Absolutely. Definitely. So... In thinking about this, I know that you, over the course of this time in LA, started your own production company. Um, did bestsellers, haha, amazing title. By yeah, <laughs> so, it took me like two seconds to think of the name. <laughs> no, that's that's great, and I love when people have um these really like witty and like just ingenious plays on their names. I think that's that's so catchy. Dang. So how did you kind of come mentally to this idea that, hey, I'm starting my own production company. How how has that whole experience been? Well, the the and the conception of bestsellers has been in a, in a, a long time coming, but I, I officially made it an LLC when I actually, <laughs> this is so random, one 
the grand prize on Let's Make a Deal. Oh my gosh, is that the Wayne Brady show? Yeah, the Wayne Brady show. I love that. And this is why I love living in LA. So a friend of mine invited me to the show and he's like, well, I can't come. Can you go to the show with my, my other friend who's visiting? And I said, sure, I'll go to the show. I've never been. My grandma loves that show. And I went out and I bought a duck costume because I was like, I want to be something really fun and also a, a big costume to hide like my, my belly. <laughs> like I didn't want to wear anything tight. And I get to the show and the producers pull me aside and they're like, hey, we like you. We're going to we're going to you know put you on the floor. And I said, cool. And I got to the floor and then I won the first prize. I was like, oh, that's cool. It's a treadmill. I'll never use it, but <laughs> it's good. <laughs> you know, I was like, they really picked the wrong girl for that treadmill, but. Um, then I ended up winning the mega prize and they're like, you can trade the, the treadmill for a mega prize, but you don't, obviously you don't know what the prize is. So you're taking a, a gamble. And I'm like, sure, I don't care. I it can't be worse than a treadmill. And it turned out to be a speedboat. And I was like, it is worse than a treadmill. I hate the water. <laughs> I hate the beach. Um, and I just kind of, their episode is online and I think you can find it somewhere on my Instagram maybe but you if you look at my face I'm not crying because I'm like happy I'm crying because I'm like where the hell am I gonna put this boat <laughs> I'm so devastated I don't know where it's gonna go and I'm, I'm mad um long story short I ended up finessing a deal which I don't know if this is legal or I, it's legal but I, don't, I think it's highly frowned upon um I finessed a deal with the boat company it was kind of like hey I don't like the ocean I can't I live in the desert I can't have this boat can we just trade these for money and I actually went with it I didn't get the full price of the boat but I got a lot more than I thought I was gonna get so sold the boat back to them <laughs> they made like a double profit which is terrible but good good for me and then I owned up the production company, I filed all the paperwork and paid for the licensing and uh, the copyright and all of that with the money that I won. And that was because I was like, I am so sick of watching bad movies that I'm just going to make movies that I want to watch and they're going to have my name on it. And then I'm going to hire a team of women and mostly black women um, to write and to direct and to DP and act. And, and then we made our first short like a month after that. And it's just been going ever since. That is, that is the most yeah, insane so story. Say, that was like the most <laughs> random, but entertaining and just incredible. Random, <laughs> random experience. Um, but everything happens for a reason. Had I not won the money on that show, I never would have been able to afford all of the licensing and stuff for the company. Absolutely. So. Um, what kind of what kind of like shorts and projects have you all made so far? We've made an array of shorts ranging from drama to comedy to thriller. I'm really into thriller, so that's where I like to focus most of our shorts on. Um, we've also made some YouTube series, but um, all, the most important thing about our shorts is that it's all starring minority women of color in the leads like that is like non-negotiable for mm -hmm. me and I'm not even in them like I, I don't think I've even I've acted in one and I wasn't even the star so when I put my films together I'm not even casting myself in them I'm looking for other talented minority actors out there who may never have gotten a lead role that's not has nothing to do with their race before you know um, for our first project plum, it was a horror film about an imaginary friend who like comes back 20 years later to haunt the little girl that she used to follow around as a kid. And I was like, it's gotta be an Asian actress. And I refused to make it anyone else. And we found a remarkably talented Asian actress. I don't even know why she agreed to be a part of this film. Her name is Amy Park. She's insanely talented. And she would tell me, you know, Asian girls don't get these roles. <laughs> like we, we don't get lead scary like badass roles like this and I was like I know <laughs> that's why I wanted you and she's been she's been in a couple other shorts of mine but she's just so crazy talented I can't wait to see what else she does I, I'm so glad we got her early on because I know she's going to be something big and I can say I I knew her before all you guys did absolutely and I always like to you know, ask everyone, and of course, as much as you can, what kind of projects and work that you have coming up that you're excited about? I know you're starting your um, production, your first feature, of course. 
I am. And we have our live table read where we just kind of a chance for everyone to meet all of our, our cast and our producers. And we can hear the script out loud and take awesome notes. Um, that production is called The Root of Things. It's about, uh, a, it's a character-driven story about an, an Indian man who uh, ends up living with a Black woman who does hair and they bond over their cultures. And uh, it's set in 1996, which is really cool. Um, and it shoots in, oh my gosh, in only two weeks, in less than two weeks? Oh, a little frightening. <laughs> and my first, yeah, it's my first full feature. And it's only shooting for seven days. So we literally got about like 80 pages worth of material to shoot in seven days. So I'm really jumping into this feature thing. Um, but I, I heard Tyler Perry shoot shot like acrimony in seven days. So if he can do that, I know I can do it. But he also had like the money and, <laughs> and things yes. to do it. Um, but that's why I just keep telling myself. I'm like, okay, Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry did it, girl. You can do it too, but you're going to have to get some sleep, you know, before then. So... It's going to be a lot of work, but I'm super excited. Our cast is wonderful. Our crew is wonderful. Um, I, it, it's a story I believe in. Um, it's a story I've never seen on screen before. Uh, it's like Bollywood meets um, Spike Lee, a Spike Lee joint. So it's really cool. And um, I'm nervous as hell, but uh, I, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. That is fantastic. So, and I know you just mentioned we can follow you at Shoddy Sellers. Is that your, is that like your name on like Instagram and Twitter as well? Yeah, on Twitter it's I am Shoddy Sellers because I had Shoddy Sellers and I deleted it, but then I couldn't get it back. Long story. <laughs> um, yep, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm, I'm really active on that too. I'll answer questions. People have sent me their scripts to proofread and I do it when I, you know, when I have time, I do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I send back little notes as well. Um, I'm all about keeping the positivity, though. Like, I don't want to hear any negative comments. <laughs> so if you, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, I'm going to mute you and we'll, we'll call it a day. But yeah, follow me there. Now that we're kind of at the end, this is my favorite part because it's like a bunch of random fun questions that I ask everyone. May Rocky picks. Yeah. So the first one is what song is currently like stuck in your head or like you can't stop listening to the light is coming by ariana grande i have not have i heard i probably have heard it but it's just not coming to me but i love her yeah i'm loving this whole rollout of this album it's smart it's it's good song she's making good quality pop music i i really like her yes i yeah i love i love listening to her so i will yeah i'll definitely make sure that i, I check that song out yeah it's different but i like it what okay question two what is a restaurant that you think everyone in the world should go to and you cannot pick a chain restaurant really yes okay in that case <laughs> um there is a little spot in burbank called pinocchio's and uh mm. it's an italian restaurant slash market they sell basically all the ingredients they use to make the food so they make their own gelato they make their own spaghetti and pastas and lasagnas and then you could go to the market and get the same pasta and sauces and uh meats and stuff it's really cool oh that sounds amazing yeah that they're, they're only in burbank <laughs> <laughs> did um did you have a like a chain restaurant in mind yeah so i was gonna say porto's <laughs> porto's <laughs> is a, a cuban style restaurant they're technically they only have three or four locations and they're only in california but Ooh. it's a chain technically Okay. Um, they do, uh, tamales and, and, and chicken croquettes and meat pies. And then they have a whole bakery with pies and cupcakes. I was just there this morning getting coffee. They have amazing coffee. Um, mm. anyone who knows me knows I love Porto's. I'm there almost every day. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Like I'm hungry just thinking about it. Yeah. Um, I've got to definitely say, obviously, like since you're in film, like what is, this is such a hard question. I hate when people ask me it, but what's your favorite, what were some of your favorite films? Cause I'm sure you don't have just one. Yeah, I got, I, I, you know, when I was in film school, my teacher, we asked the same question and you would hear the answers. There you'd be all like, um, Hitchcock, obviously anything Hitchcock or <laughs> mm -hmm. anything by John, uh, Spielberg, you know, all these really high profile films. And to this day, I will say my favorite film of all time is my best friend's wedding. 
I just love that movie. I can yes. watch it a thousand times and I never get bored and I know every line and I know every beat. Um, but it's amazing. And Julia Roberts, you know, and my aunt and I, my aunt Julia and I, we are enamored with her. We think she's like the last great movie star. Like she's just so <laughs> everything she did was so on point. So my best friend's wedding is always at the top of my list. Currently, yes. I just saw oh gosh, I've seen so many movies. Um Nothing really came out this last few months that I've been like really dying for, but I really want to see Sorry to Bother You. I haven't seen that yet, and that's on my like priority list. I want to see it too, and I um I follow Tessa Thompson on Twitter, and she's been tweeting about it, and I'm just I'm dying to go. Yeah, I think that will be a adventure I do this weekend with my movie pass and finally get to see it because I've been so busy working, but um, only hearing great things about that. Uh, but yeah, your favorite movie doesn't have to be some artistic like dramatic piece it could be whatever you want it's your favorite movie so definitely definitely um okay so last but definitely not least what is a quote or a piece of advice that steers you like just kind of drives you oprah says <laughs> and that's, that's, every every advice is from oprah <laughs> yes um oprah is a, a big advocate for just trying your best that's what she always says. Not mm -hmm. not their best, not his best, not her best, not Beyonce's best, because that's that's nobody's best. That's, no. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's not even her worst. Um, but your best. And that's mm -hmm. that I think that's the caption on my Instagram and or my Twitter. And it's just like, I'm just trying my best. And every day I end the day with, did we do all that we could have done today? And if it's yes, cool. Get a cookie. If it's no, you still get a cookie, but you'll try a little harder tomorrow. That's it. Awesome. It has been just the greatest pleasure talking to you today. Um, thank you. You yeah. too. This is fun. Yes, this was so much fun. And I just thank you for sharing so many of your stories and just being so honest with us. And yeah, this is this has really been a joy. Thank you. Yes, um, I'm so excited to hear the rest of your series. This has been really fun for me. Um, talking. <laughs> <laughs> about myself <laughs> that's that's the best great. yeah and that's the yeah. thing like i wish that i wish more people were more like transparent and like open with their with their stories and how they got going because that's the only way we learn is through our own experiences and everyone else's experiences yeah i mean my friend shawnee says information was meant to be shared not kept so that's what we should do absolutely i can't i can't think of a better note to end on Yay! Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Um, everyone, keep listening to the podcast because I saw the guest list and they all look amazing. Woo! Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Meraki Mentors Podcast with Candace Howes. We're honored you chose to spend your time with us today. To learn more about today's guest or the podcast, visit MerakiMentorsPodcast.com.